1: Hi, it's Jackie Cation, and you are listening to The Dork Forest. The website's JackieCation.com, DorkForest.com, TheDorkForest.com, if you like a determiner. Let's do the credits. Patrick Brady's going to fix this audio and video. Vilmos works on JackieCation.com, and Mike Rickberg uh, sang the song, with his wife, Sarah. He composed it and he will sing his version of the Mexican hat dance at the end of this show. Thank you so much for listening to the dorks forest. Here's a scoop. I'm doing stand-up online. A lot of zoom shows will eventually go back on the road. Sign up for my email list. It's easy to get off. It's harder to get on than it is to get off and no harm, no foul. If ever bored, JackieCacia.com, sign up for the email list. You'll find out about my weekly Zoom shows and stand up on the road eventually. You may donate to the show if you would like. I would like. Sure, I would. There's PayPal, Jackie at JackieCacia.com, and there is a PayPal button on both workforest.com and Jackie And there's Venmo if you like Venmo, Jackie Hyphen oddly enough. If you have listened to all of the shows, go to dorkforest.bandcamp.com, I think. The Dork Forest has a Bandcamp page. You can listen to a a, a lot of ones that are free from pre-2009 when I started pre-recording. And uh, then there's uh, live episodes that cost me a couple of bucks, so I charge you a couple of bucks. There's also some stand-up. There's a story uh, album that's very exciting there. And um, other than that... I have a lot of merch in my garage. Feel free to order if you know anybody who doesn't have any CDs or the DVD. And uh, you can follow me everywhere at Jackie Cation. Let's get into the show. Hi, I'm Jackie Cation, and I am in my garage uh, with Scott Rogers. You're back. This is Scotty thir- third time, Scott Rogers. On I, think the, uh, this on is,
0: the I think this four. is four, actually. Yeah, I did... Um,
1: I you did, did Disney.
0: Disneyland, and I did action figures star wars action right. figures
1: and i appeared uh, the, pre- the ones where you you make modulated ones or, or yeah, modified custom, ones cut them yeah, apart custom. make
0: new ones yeah and yeah. then um and did we talk have we talked about board games yet we I don't yeah, know if i'm we sure have we
1: games. yeah so no, sure no we, we have, did at right? least one about board games i don't remember right. what the fourth one was that well, was the fourth my was big the
0: venture brothers appearance
1: When Andy and I were in
0: character, uh, this was pre, uh, pre, like you know everything, right? Like in the dark days, where where we were using cans with strings to talk to each other,
1: right? Oh my god, that's so funny.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: Yes, I'm going to uh, do that. I gotta just go, You know what I just did? I just swapped our positions on my recording thing on Zoom because that was fun for me. Okay, <laughs> I'm back. Cause, uh, uh, so what do we want to – but I didn't even ask you. I just know that you are a multifaceted diamond <laughs> of a dork. Yeah, I, I, I'm chock full I, of dork.
0: Um, I don't know. There's a lot of things that I was thinking of. I was thinking of kind of comic books in general, although you do have a lot of people – on to talk about comic books. Although I am, uh, I do consider myself a well. I guess I can't call myself amateur anymore. But I oh. am a I well. I'm a Batman historian. That's what I sometimes call myself. And I've actually okay. been paid, usually in toys, <laughs> which is which is probably maybe a
1: better way to get paid. I don't know. Is it is it better to Depends- get paid in toys? depends on the market my friend depends that is on the true. market that's right that is right. very true um but yeah i i
0: um i have uh i i've been a lifetime batman fan since before i could read and batman is probably the reason why i can read is because <laughs> i picked up comics and was like what are these things coming out of these people's mouths i want to know
1: Oh, words words yeah, you words. said to yourself i yeah. understand no, that i things. didn't know what the
0: word for word was so uh, then- they were and then I I forced myself to learn how to read. I mean, you know, I had parents that would, you know, were somewhat engaged and I had a older bro- <laughs> I had an older brother who I think contributed a lot. And then of course there was like school. But I went to like a I went to like a Montessori school. I I don't even know if those exist anymore or not. was that is that now oh, been sure outlawed? They do. No, oh, no. Are they really? there?
1: Yeah, I have a friend oh, okay. of mine who, who owns one
0: in Minneapolis. But so the Mont- the Montessori school, I would just go and they'd be like, what do you want to do today? And I'd be like, I want to sit in the back of the building and just read books. And that was, <laughs> that's all. And, but nobody was sitting
1: there and saying. Batman oh. books.
0: Well, no, it was like Peter Pan. And and I actually burned through the classics pretty early as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I read like to the point where now, you know, many years, I'm not a kid anymore. Uh, many years, <laughs> many years later. Uh, I will watch a movie and I'll be like, "This sounds really familiar," and then I'll say, "Oh, it's based on a book," and I'll be like, "Oh, I read that book." Okay, and it happens all the, the time. Had the same
1: experience with Bridgerton. You guys, yeah, what's? I happening? haven't seen that yet. But is uh, that based on it, a book? It's based on a series, and it's a romance series, and oh, it of is uh, it is hilariously. Um, it's actually in the world of romance novels. It is actually quite. Uh, it, it's it's one of the funner ones. It's just a fun light. You know, you've read um, a small Angry Planet, and then uh, have, you, have you read or Damn? Just one thing after another. There's a bunch of sort of science fiction that are super light.
0: Okay.
1: And is this like um, is
0: this like fifties era like Bradbury Heinlein or is this modern?
1: Now, yeah, oh, it's no, just I, I, it, I'm oh, not familiar okay. with those. Yeah, there's just there's a bunch of books that are. Um, that I think, and this isn't fair. It's not fair for me to talk about Julia Quinn, who wrote the Bridgerton series, because have I read a novel, written a novel? I have not. Uh, but they, they're they're written, they're li- they're lightly written. You know, mm-hmm. they 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 feel like um, they're breezy. The, and yeah, they're pretty breezy. And there's science fiction like that, and there's romance like that, and there's mysteries like that. And um, and that and Bridgerton is actually quite fun. It's historical, but it's not historically accurate. Like, there's right. better... There's uh, different kinds of historical romances and even historical fiction, but whatever.
0: All, all I know about Bridgerton, my wife and my daughter watch it. All I know is every time I walk by the TV set, somebody's fucking. That's all I know yeah. about Bridgerton.
1: It's a romance novel. Uh, you, you're it's hoping that they're novel. fucking. It's
0: a sex novel. It's not even um, a romance. It's, it's, there's it's,
1: there's the a lot rom- of noises <laughs> that come out of the other room. I'm busy...
0: You know, doing something usually. You're making busy a board being game. the
1: dad and going. I'm not watching this with my daughter, and that's what we <laughs> like about you, Scott Rogers. And puritanical.
0: <laughs> <You're>
1: uh, <laughs> and uh, well, just uh, just there's there's a certain point where it's like, I don't need to. I mean, I'm happy that that the children in my life see these things and that they grow up to have lovely, full sexual interactions with consenting adults. One uh, day they I, will. I don't necessarily need to uh, know about it, uh, hear about it, and um, but uh, you know whatever. And I hope that it happens at college. That's what I. That's what I tell them. I was yeah, like, exactly. if you Long if you can it wait till college, out of the house, <laughs> out of
0: the house. That's all I care about.
1: No, yeah, that would be know, ideal. I,
0: you know, actually, I have a really well. My son is at the age where he still doesn't, you know, engaging with him on anything about other than Yu Gi Oh. Is, uh, you know, is a, <laughs> is a bit of an effort. But my, my daughter, bless them, um, they are, we, we actually have a good relationship. We talk about a lot of that stuff. And, and once in on a blue moon, we will talk about the sexual things. But, you know, sure. I'm still a dad. I still get embarrassed about it.
1: Right. And getting embarrassed about it doesn't mean you're unwilling to talk about it. It just means you're slightly embarrassed about it. And you can power through it if she needs someone to talk to about some bullshit. You're like, yeah, no, no, we can talk about it. I'm just going to be over here blushing a little bit and then going, you're an an adult. Anyway, so here's what I want to know.
0: Well, the fun part about it is uh, last last note is that I say. You do realize I had a life before you came along, right? That's what I, that's what I always tell them. She doesn't want to hear it either. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I, I didn't know this, she'll say. They'll say.
1: She's, yes. Here's my scoop. Uh, will we discuss Batman? Because I had someone talk about Superman and how much oh. he liked Superman. Just in passing, that, he said how much he liked that Superman Mark more. Wade,
0: the living encyclopedia of Superman?
1: It was, that was a good but that's not the one that I'm talking about. It was the oh, one before okay. that. Uh and oh, I right. can't remember is a comic and a very uh good person. Well I have uh, to warn you, I'm
0: I'm no Mark Wade. Right. Uh, and and the other thing I wanna say about Mark Wade is what I find really amusing, is his favorite Superman story is also my daughter's favorite Superman story, which is that Aww. Superman, <laughs> Superman owes a billion dollars. <laughs> So you should you should one day talk to Evelyn about <laughs> Superman and particularly Supergirl because okay. they are an ex they are an expert on like fifties Superman stuff which is pretty funny. Okay,
1: oh well, that's but anyway. Fun. Back to but me, back to you, of a, Scott I'm Rogers. Of a,
0: I'm a Batman guy. There's You're a difference. You're a Batman guy. There is. is I mean, the it's that. Well, the difference is you like Batman. <laughs> <I> mean,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and thanks for listening to the dork forest you guys see you guys later (laughs) shortest
0: episode ever yes no i mean i don't know there's there's definitely a person it's a coke and pepsi thing right it's kind of sometimes it's a little hard to um elucidate for me what yeah
1: batman was made in the the 30s right or something or the 40s
0: so the the story goes superman comes out in 1938 is this huge hit and the guy who runs what eventually becomes DC Comics. Um, His name is like Major Malcolm Wheeler or something like that. He says, I need another Superman because I like making money. And so uh, Bob Kane, who was kind of a mediocre cartoonist, but he lived in New York and I guess he like hung around. He was doing like kind of cartoony strips mostly uh, for DC, like like kind of the equivalent of like Popeye, you know, like Thimble Theater ripoffs, right? Like he was, he's, Anyway, he goes, I can come up with a Superman. Give me a weekend. And so the story goes, he goes home and he says, well, uh, you know, Superman, uh, well, you know, he looks like this. I'll I'll do the opposite. I'll make it a guy that kind of is like a bat. And so he draws up this, this, he essentially traces a Flash Gordon image and he puts bat wings on it and puts like a little domino mask. And so if you can imagine Mr. Incredible with bat wings and no logo on his chest. That's essentially the character he created and went, "Ta-da, here is Batman." <laughs> and and so then he shows it to his pal who's this guy he these guys are all kids, remember? They're like maybe I don't know, like 17, 18, 19 years old, like they're still they're like fresh out of high school. And um and he shows it to his friend, this this writer friend of his named Bill Finger. And he says, "Bill Finger, what do you think of the Batman?" And Bill Finger goes, Ugh, "What? What? That's not a Batman. That's like a guy in his underwear with bat wings. Come on, we can do better than this." So Bill Finger says, "Well, let's. He's a bat. Let's um, let's make. Let's put him in a, like a hood and give the hood bat ears, so he looks like a you know looks more like a bat. And instead of putting him in a red costume, let's put him in a gray costume, and let's put a bat on his chest to show that he's a Batman. And let's give him." Let's give him a belt full of stuff that he can use to help him fight, and let's give him, um, you know, let's have him live in this city, Gotham City, and let's give him a a friend who is the police commissioner, and so that way he can be this this dilettante and kind of like hang out with Commissioner Gordon and smoke cigarettes and or pipes actually. And then find out, oh, whoa, really? There's a crime going on? Oh, well, I'm going to go and, you know, I'm going to go to bed now. And then, of course, Batman shows <laughs> up and, and, and kicks the so, shit out of the bad guys,
1: right? So so, so, the, so, the second guy yeah, is no finger. the guy who do, who is, like, he, he doesn't have does, superpowers. He has he a bo- belt. Well, they both
0: they both were, like, the thing that they liked about it was he didn't have super uh, didn't, Batman didn't have superpowers. And that was, like, the distinguishing difference. And these, these kids were, like we want to make a character that's like the shadow who was really popular back then right he was on the radio or um, the scarlet pimpernel is another you know the the fop by day uh, hero by night you know that oh, okay. that idea right and yeah, so yeah. the so they they pulled on all this stuff that they loved all these books and movies and radio shows that they listened to and they they you know that and then there was a movie called the bat whispers that in it, there's a bad guy and he wears like a bat mask and he shines um, a signal on the wall and has a bat on it and so they they take that idea right so they're 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 just ripping off ideas from everywhere and putting it <laughs> in, into this new character and so
1: what was wait K- what was the name of the movie?
0: The Bat Whispers.
1: Thank and you. And it's from
0: like <laughs> 1932 or four somewhere around there. Okay. Anyway, so they so they they so Kane goes back to. DC to national. And he says, here's my idea. Here's the Batman. And this guy goes, I love it. Let's do it. And he, and he goes, all right, let's write up a contract. Um, and Kane goes, great. I came up with this idea all by myself and I want, uh, my name to always be on the comic strip in perpetuity, in perpetuity. His Kane's dad was a lawyer and so it helped him. So he screwed out finger of the credits But finger never he. But finger was, by all accounts, was kind of this, you know, very. um, uh, He was very. uh, He was very able to push. People were able to push him around, and he also had a drinking problem later in life and stuff like that. So he. So he wasn't a guy to really defend himself, and so he just kind of put up with it. And so an entire, literally this this lie went on about Batman's creation all the way through the '60s.
1: What happened? Into, oh, wait, so fingers, and I want to call him fingers. Fingers, Miguel.
0: Bill Bill, Bill, uh, Bill Finger. <laughs> he, wrote, he wrote Batman. He wrote like. How do we uh, find
1: out that he oh, was the one?
0: The fans found out. The fans. First of all, the so so a couple of interesting things happen. So Finger creates for the most part the majority of Batman's mythology. He not only creates like Gotham City and the Batmobile and the and and things like that but he he helps create the Joker although that's there's a bit of a debate about who is the originator of the Joker there's an artist named Jerry Robinson who was a, like another kid that Kane like Kane is is a mediocre artist at best and so very quickly <laughs> Kane's the bad
1: guy in this story holy shit Kane
0: sword. is Kane is a son of a bitch nobody in the comic industry liked him at all and he but he, what he would do is he would hire these guys and essentially, they would ghost write and ghost draw for him, and then he'd sign his name with this big signature with a big O, and it's in a square so you can't miss it. And it's Batman created by Bob Kane. And this, mm-hmm. and because of the con- and DC is like, well, we got to do it. It's in the contract. We signed the contract. Right. So this go- this goes on. Can- okay, so Finger creates Catwoman. He creates more or less the Joker. He creates Riddler. He creates Robin. He creates uh, Scarecrow. He creates. Uh, Penguin, he creates like wow. every major, Two-Face, he creates every major character from the Batman mythology and and the world. And he also comes up with the gimmicks like Batman fighting on a giant typewriter, which is like a real staple of 1940s uh, comics, and things like Batman having uh, different suits. You know, I'm going to be in the snow, so I'm going to wear a white suit. I'm in the dark, I'm going to wear a phosphorescent suit, so the bad guys think I'm a ghost. Things like but that. But we don't.
1: But we don't know. We know that Bob Kane didn't come up with these things. No, no, no. Kane and, was just cash in the stable. Checks. The yeah. stable of writers and and artists and
0: artists. Yeah, yeah. There were a couple other artists. There was a fellow named Charlie Paris who would do all the backgrounds. The back in well, even to this day, but in the early days of comics, comics are always done kind of like an assembly line. So so Kane in the earlier days, like maybe the first five or ten years or so, he would like draw Batman's face. Yeah. And then have everybody else do the rest. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so like, they would draw, other guys would, like, draw the body, and then Charlie Paris would do the backgrounds, and Finger, of course, would write it, and then have another dude letter it. And, and there became, when Batman became popular, he was now in, so in 1939 is Detective Comics 27. That's the first appearance of Batman. Okay. Then a year later, the character is so popular, they give him his own book, which is Batman number one. And so that's the first appearance of um, the Joker. It's the first appearance of Catwoman. And a few months before Robin or maybe a month before Robin had first appeared. So this is like the famous cover of them swinging on this kind of yellow background. And if and and my advice is if you ever are going to buy a comic for investment purposes, that's the comic to buy. I think the most recent one sold for or like one just sold for like two million dollars.
1: And how many are left in the world? Do you well,
0: there's think? there's still a, a fair amount. I mean, okay. well, no, no. Remember these things back in the heyday of the 30s and the 40s, comics were being produced by the millions. Like an average monthly run oh, okay. were millions of comics. It's nothing like today. We're lucky if there's maybe ten thousand books, uh, uh, you know, an issue. But back then, it was the comics was the huge entertainment. You know, like. Kids read them. The the GIs read them. Adults read them. Like everybody okay. was reading comics, right? But there were also a bazillion types of comics. Like I mean, there are nowadays, of course, you know, manga and 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 you know, even if you go into like Earth Two, you know, our buddy uh, uh, Cars Store, right? Mm-hmm. There's different sections. But in the early days of comics, like they were just trying everything. There were stories about crime. There was horror. There was romance. There was. Uh, you know, funny cartoon, you know, cartoon animals, all types of things like that. So the industry was very broad at the time, and there was tons so, of things to select from. So there's
1: still a bunch of them out there, this Batman number one. But one, oh, yeah, got, yeah, yeah. one got sold for $2 million.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's, because it was a nice quality one. And and you can, <laughs> I think if you buy like a really beat up one, you still are paying like $300,000 for it. Wow.
1: Okay. Yeah, which,
0: is, which makes me sad because as a kid i grew up in san diego and i used to go to comic-con all the time and i was just watching a video the other day of these two guys at the 1973 comic-con in new Mm -hmm. york though not in san diego and they had a copy of batman number one and it was a little beat up it had like a tear on the cover and it was missing some pages and they were selling it for 175 bucks (laughs) and i was like no well that was like three years before i started going to cons but still that's like i could have bought a batman number if if I were you smart and I could have, been there. You could I been, could have there. been there, I could have bought one for probably about 300 to 500 bucks back then, which is a steal. Right. But, you know, if
1: you had Scott Rogers, if you had yeah. a Batman number one and it was in pretty good shape, all the pages and everything, what yeah. would you do with it?
0: I would read it. Of course I would. I'd wear gloves, <laughs> but I,
1: but, <laughs> right. no, every, oh, every... gloves, but then would you display it or would you just put it in mylar in a box?
0: No, no, fuck that. That's like, that's, that's horrible. That's like, um, anyway, I would, I would have it in a, in a safe storage, but I would have it accessible. Like I'd, okay. I'd have it maybe in like a glass box, but like I could open the glass. box. Yeah. 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 But I don't yeah. be able to open the box and like go, Hey, you know what? F it. It's, you know, my yearly read of Batman number one, which is funny because I would go to, um. There's a, a great comic store in New York called Metropolis Comics and they did a lot of conventions in the before times. And I would go every year at San Diego Comic Con, I would go to Metropolis Comics and I would pretend like I was rich and I'd be like, I'm interested in <laughs> I'm interested in perusing your Batman number one. And the guy would pull it out, and he'd show it to me. And he'd page through the pages to show me the quality of it. And I always would call it my annual smelling of the Batman number one because you, you know, didn't how get
1: to touch it, or no, no, I didn't
0: get to touch it at all because right. it's you know it's thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands yeah. of dollars.
1: Yeah, yeah. But
0: I would, but I would want to bask in the presence of this vintage. And you, you know how old paper has That's that really awesome. weird grandpa yeah. smell to it, right? So yeah. I, I would go. I would sniff in the Batman number one, and I would pretend like I was rich for a moment, and then I would walk <laughs> off, and they were none the wiser.
1: <laughs> Until this very day.
0: Until this um, very moment.
1: Yes. That's awesome. It's okay. So, uh, so that's that's sort of the origin of Batman. When did right, right. you get into Batman? Uh,
0: uh it, by birth, no. Um, my so like everybody my age, I'm I'm you know older. I'm in my fifties. So I discovered it through the Batman TV series, the Adam West show. And, but it was in reruns. So, so I was born in the late sixties and the show came out in 1966 and it ran for three seasons and then it got unceremoniously canceled. Uh, And, um, and so my mother has story, like I, you know, I saw this reruns on TV and I like lost my mind. And, and then I realized there were, you know, comic books and, and merchandise. So I remember, you know, as a very small child, I still have a little cup and bowls and plate set that has, like, Batman and the Joker, you know, on, on them. So you can eat your, your sure. you know, uh, cream of wheat and see the Joker at the bottom.
1: And and, uh, and and this is this is the Adam West version that you first got well, yeah. well, the, the So the plate and the bowl that I had
0: actually is, the artwork is from the comics. Because they didn't really, like, it was kind of rare back then for them to use... Artwork inspired by the TV show. The only thing that I can think of off the top of my head that was art visually kind of like the TV show was there were some trading cards from around that, like kind of like tops, you know, like Mars Attacks or those that that those look a lot like Adam West and Burt Ward. But almost everything else used artwork from the comics because it had already been made. They don't have to pay anybody. They would just cut right. it and photostat it, it and, and you're done and you make your money. And so mm-hmm. the plates that I had, had artwork from an artist who was kind of, well, he was, he was considered by the fans at the time to be the finger quote, the good Batman artist. And this was an artist named Dick Sprang. And Dick okay. Sprang is, um, his style is very distinct. It's kind of blocky. Remember when, uh, Mark Wade was talking about an artist named, um, uh, Kurt Swan, do, yes. Does that ring a bell? Yeah, so Kurt, yeah. Kurt Swan was the good Superman artist. Dick Spring was the good Batman artist in, in the okay. 40s and the 50s, mm-hmm. late early 50s. And um, and so the art on the plate and the cup and the bowl that I had was Dick Spring art. And so that's the version for me that I've... And it's also, if you remember the opening credits of the Batman TV show, the cartoon, yeah. that's yeah. Dick Spring style, right? Okay. So, all, so that was, for me, I'm... I love Batman. I love all ver- most versions of Batman, but my favorite, my version of Batman is Dick Spray. That's the one okay. I love. The go- What's considered the Golden Age version of Batman. And the Golden Age is a, cl- a kind of a wonky classification system that comic book uh, uh, store owners and people who collect comic books use. There's the Golden Age, which is from the 30, like the mid 30s to the uh, late 50s, early 60s. Then there's the Silver Age, which is the '60s through roughly the '70s, like the early '70s. Then there's the Bronze Age. Now, why they decided to pick Olympic medals, it makes <laughs> no sense. It is yeah. the, it is the stupidest rating system or grading system I've ever heard of. Uh, personally, but it's in I have
1: now, my, yeah.
0: Well, it is. It's been around for a long time. But I use my own classification that nobody will ever use. But for me, it's I call it Golden Age because it's like you know the Golden Age of television or the Golden Age of radio. Then the silver age, okay, you know, silver age, things are starting to mature. Then for me, I call the seventies, the super age because superheroes were everywhere. That was like the big boom in superheroes, right? You had Spider-Man on the electric company. You had, you know, you could buy, uh, uh, you know, orange juice with Batman on it. You could get, you know, lunch boxes, whatever, right? Like it inundated, um, pop culture. The word super was showing up all over the place, the logo, you know, the Superman logo. And then after, then the eighties, is um called so this is where it gets weird in the comic rating system is the bronze age kind of lasts through the late 80s kind of right around where dark knight returns and crisis on infinite earths which are two mar or dc titles very famous titles but then after that everything is like the modern age and it's like have we been in the modern age (laughs) since the late 80s what Like, are we in the postmodern age? Like what? So myself, I've, I've come up with other things like the dark ages is the nineties because partially all the heroes go very dark and they're gritty and they all talk like Christian Bale, you know, if you're going to read them to your kids. Um, And then of course, uh, then we get into like the two thousands is a very um, nostalgic age. There's a lot of old characters coming back. Like Barry Allen, the flash who had been dead since the eighties and, and Hal Jordan, the Green Lantern, who had been dead since the early '90s, and so all these characters are kind of getting reinvigorated. So we're in kind of a new age now. I don't, I don't have my own classification for it yet. I haven't thought about it,
1: but when, but what, I think
0: that there's a better system that could be made for that.
1: Right. When what is the when did the Batman the animated series that Mark Hamill did the Joker right. voice up? That's ni- That's
0: 1992. It, okay. It it comes out right between. The '89 Batman movie, the one that everybody knows and loves, the Michael Keaton, Jack Nicholson one. Right, and right. The, and then the movie Batman Returns, the you know weirdo Catwoman, Penguin, uh, Christopher Walken oh, yeah. one that came out in '92, I think. And so the animated series kind of was developed between the two movies. So if you look at the if you look at the designs of some of the things it kind of reminds you of the movies a little bit like the Batmobile kind of reminds you a little bit and, and some of the costumes tiny bit, I guess, but a lot of Bruce Timm's influences are actually those Dick spring versions. Like if you particularly when they jump from there, the Batman, the animated series lasts, I think it's two seasons or three seasons. And then they change it to the new Batman adventures. Okay. Uh, No, it's the adventures of Batman and Robin and then the new Batman adventures. Okay. And so the new the new Batman Adventures, which is like the technically the third or fourth season of the cartoon, has like very some of the character designs are very Dick Sprang inspired. Like the penguin, very much a Dick Spraying style. It's not the weird freaky Danny DeVito with, you know, webbed up fingers and and you know creepy, you know, he's gushing he's got fish guts hanging off of his mouth and all that. He's yeah. very elegant. He looks he looks like the inspiration of the penguin is um a couple of things, but one of them is this add for cool cigarettes which is this penguin that's wearing a tuxedo and a top hat and right. so the so the uh uh bill finger saw that and he like back in the day so there's there's a great story about bill finger and then also Dick Spring and a lot of these old time artists they would have what's called clip files and so if they saw like if they were going to do a story and and let's say bill finger says all right we're going to do the story and the joker is going to go try to steal roman coins and so what he would do is he would dig through like uh, old National Geographic and Life magazines, and whatever, and then clip out. And he would send those to the artists and go, all right, this is what I'm talking about. So, you know, this is all pre-Google Images, right? right, right. This is why, this is why, in my opinion, Google Images is one of the greatest inventions in humanity, at least for <laughs> the entertainment, uh, for sure. the arts, right? Yeah so, yeah, so these guys would do all, like Finger was known for doing these meticulously crafted, very clever—like there's a formula to a Bill Finger story. Like if you read enough of these comics, you can hang, see hang the. Hang a pattern. second. The
1: garbage truck is going by, which uh, I kind of wanna. Uh, I think that people don't need it. It's what so I'm appropriate.
0: Saying. We're talking about comic books, and then there comes the garbage truck.
1: There. It sounds
0: like some wind is getting in. Also.
1: Yeah, well, the door is open so that the uh, oh, my, okay. my my new tiny dog can come and go as he wants. Cause right, right. Because uh, it's it's hard to boss a new dog. I mean, you, I mean, you you, you want to be you you want to be uh, you know s- steady,
0: but you don't uh, bully him
1: though. Yeah, yeah, he's he, he's he's just trying to he's trying to figure some stuff out. Right. So okay, I want to be a good yeah. sport because he's good. a good sport. Okay. Anyway, so there's this thing with cool cigarettes and Bill Finger.
0: Yeah, yeah. So he, he gets inspired by this ad, this penguin in this ad, and this is the inspiration for the character, the penguin. And and so these... Anyway, this this is one of the reasons why Bill Finger is such a great... He, when I found... Like, I found out about these guys pretty early on because, um, I, because I grew up in San Diego, this meant I could meet a lot of these artists. Now, I never oh, met Bill right. Finger. He had actually okay. passed away before I was going to shows and I had a chance to meet Bob Kane. A matter of fact, the reason why I first went to San Diego comic-con was because of Bob Kane. My dad knew I liked Batman and mm-hmm. he said, Oh, I found out that the guy who created Batman, cause everybody you know, didn't know better, uh, was going yeah. to be at this, at this comic-con. So my family, this is 1976 or seven or five, I forget somewhere around there before, before Star Wars came out. Uh, We trundle up into the car. We live in Escondido, which is, you know, an hour north of San Diego. Mm -hmm. We drive all the way down to San Diego. We get to this Comic-Con. We pay for our tickets. We go in. We go charging up this staircase. I'll never forget it. Uh, We go charging up this staircase to this ballroom on the second floor. And we run into the room where Bob Kane is supposed to be. And they say, you just missed him by five minutes.
1: Oh, right. So,
0: So we were like, crap. So we wandered around Comic-Con and I bought a couple of comic books and I went, wow, this is amazing. I want to come back to this next year. And mm-hmm. so that was the start of my, I think I'm now, other than this year and then two years in which I had my children, mm-hmm. I think I've, from 1976 to 2018, uh, oh no, 2019, I have missed three Comic-Cons. Right. So I've gone to this a lot Um, anyway. So that's, that's how I um, found out that there were people that made these things that, Mm -hmm. you know, Oh, here's the name that I'm reading in the comic. It's an actual person. So then I would go down and, and I would, I would start to find out, well, what did I love comics? I'm like, I want to work in comics. And so I would start to talk to these guys that worked in comic books. You know, I'd meet guys like Jack Kirby and Will Eisner and um carl barks and john romita senior So you
1: you got to meet and these are these are icons these are like oh, the, yeah, the, yeah. The, these are like the big deal guys but here's the great books. thing but you're hey, a hit, right
0: i didn't i didn't know they were big deals like i knew jack kirby drew weird stuff and he was always a little scary to me he was he was always kind of scary looking and mm-hmm. so i didn't really interact with him too much just a little bit carl barks i knew he drew donald duck and i already knew i like you know Mickey and Donald and stuff from Disneyland. And so, and he actually was um, the father-in-law of like a lawyer friend of my dad's. And and the lawyer had like this well, that, gorgeous. That's
1: the, that's the crazy thing about growing up in California, especially Los Angeles or San Diego or any of these things. Yeah. Uh, that You meet these children who are like, yeah, you know, I used to hang out with Cary Grant. And you're like, what's yeah. happening?
0: And yeah, so exactly. like
1: in Wisconsin, not an option. Not an option, <laughs> you guys. Anyway, <laughs> right, so right. But this is neat. Well,
0: Yes, yes. I, I I won't tell you the story of how I was babysat by Scatman Crothers. I'll save that for another time. But um, anyway, uh, so I so I knew Carl Barks through this this his son-in-law and the Ramitas. I they just were really friendly and they like I was I think it was like a thirteen-year-old kid and they invited me to spend the afternoon just hanging out with them. So wow. like they would, I would show them my art and they were like, this is not bad. You know, you're, you, you're, you know, if you keep working on this, maybe you can yeah. get a career in comics. And, but the, but the funny thing is I would meet all these guys and they would also in the course of me either hanging out and just eavesdropping or them talking to me, I would start to hear all these horror stories about working in the comic book industry, how everybody was getting ripped off, how everybody's getting underpaid, how they would, you know, how Marvel was like not giving their art back. Or DC was ripping them off or, and then I found out that, you know, over time that, oh, you know, Bob Kane didn't create all this stuff for Batman. That was Bill Finger and that was Jerry Robinson and that was all these other guys. And then it was around the same time I started reading, like, occasionally I'd re- pick up like a fan made thing, like a fan magazine or something. And mm-hmm. they'd start talking about this stuff and saying, oh, no, you know, this is the real story. And and they were always, um, it was a little less scandalous. But, but it's, um, go-
1: it's comic book gossip, Scott Rogers. Yeah, yeah. You were, yeah I was you like were... <laughs> 13
0: years old getting gossip, too.
1: You
0: know, it's was, it was hilarious. Um, so, yeah, so I found out pretty early that Bill Finger was the co-creator of Batman and that he never really got credit for it. And so by the time I actually, so back in uh, 1989 rolls around and and Bob Kane shows up to do a victory lap for the Batman movie. And by the time I had an opportunity to actually meet him, I had no desire to meet him because I knew what an asshole he was and I'm and like, I don't did, want to meet yeah. that guy. So I never, I never no, met good. Bob Kane. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I never, so I never got to meet the creator of Bat, either creator of Batman, which is a, a bit of a bummer for me, but whatever, you know?
1: So, and then, and, and then when did you start getting the action figures and the, and the, oh, and did you get the cars and the. Oh yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So
0: the, the, so the action figure is it's 1972 or three. So I'm like, five years old, maybe four years old, probably about five mm-hmm. years old. And we're in this mall and um, I'm with, you know, I'm too, I, I'm either I'm, a, I'm in kindergarten or I'm still too young to go to school. And so my mom and I are at this mall and my brother is in school and we're like kind of killing time. And this lady walks by holding this kid who's like a little younger than me. So maybe like a year or two younger than me. And in his hand, he is gripping a Batman Mego action figure, the first removable Cal Batman. And I see it and I go, ah, you know, where did you get that? Because there is other than captain action, which I was, I was too young to, to have had, there was nothing like this. There were no, you know, action figures. There was GI Joe Barbie. And that was pretty much it.
1: And, and what's, um, what's Mego? Is that
0: the name oh, of the company or? So yeah, Mego is the name of the company. It's, How do you um, spell it? it's fun. M E G O. Oh, okay. Uh, and, and they were a really interesting toy company. They pioneered a lot of really great toys. They they were one of the first companies to really you know how like Fungo has like every license now? Yeah. That was me Mi- that was Mego in the 70s. Like okay. Mego had like they made Star Trek figures, they made Planet of the Apes figures, they made Super, they made Batman and Superman and Spider Man and Captain America. They were like doing Marvel and DC at the same time. Oh wow. So it was pretty yeah, it was pretty innovative. Um, and the figures were great. They were like eight inch tall articulated figures that had cloth costumes and plastic, you know, like belts and masks and and these very funny oven mitt type gloves that they would have on. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I saw this Batman and I'm like, oh, my God, where Batman action figure. What the hell? And yeah. so my so my mom, who is very gregarious, thank God, runs over and says, you know, where did you find this action figure? And my mom ma- and the lady says, oh, we were at. This store TGNY uh, and uh, and they had them there and so we ran my mom ran me over there yeah. because thank God my Aww. mother indulged and spoiled me as a child and um, and you I picked loved. up a, I was loved and I picked up a Batman and a Robin because um, there were only four characters introduced with that set it was Superman Aquaman Batman and Robin okay. and the bat and the Batman and Robin had removable cowls. So you could take them off and underneath was Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson, which is awesome. So now you can play with them either, you know, undercover or, or at least just, you know, hanging out in the Batcave being cash or whatever. Yeah. And, um, and so I still have my, my Batman, my removable mask Batman to this day, but my Robin, my brother, my older brother, who was always for lack of a better term, destroying toys to find out how they worked. (laughs) <laughs> he grabbed my Robin and wishboned it. He essentially like pulled the oh. legs and there was a rubber band inside and it snapped and the whole figure just literally fell apart. And, and back then we didn't know better that we could try to repair them or anything like that. So I just yeah. threw it away. And yeah. that removable mask Robin is worth like a shit ton of money nowadays, right? An original oh, one, is. of course, right? That's the way mm-hmm. it always goes. Um, mm-hmm. But I ended up getting a replacement and, and this one had a mask actually painted on it like later they made a version where the masks didn't come off because i guess kids were losing them and parents were complaining or something <laughs> and uh, but then they would also make they made like the joker and they made catwoman and penguin and riddler and then a bunch of other characters like green arrow and and um uh wonder woman and Batgirl and things like that so those were like that those were kind of my before star wars figures came out in 78 those were like the things I played with all the time were those Batman figures. So I was, you know, between the comic books and then the figures and the TV show, you know, and I would have pajamas and, you know, you name it. I, I, you know, was Batman crazy, whatever I could get my hands on back in those days. Cause there was, the other thing is that Batman in the seventies, my, before those Mego figures came out, my mom would go around and say, my son loves Batman. Where can I get Batman stuff? There used to be a ton of Batman stuff in the sixties. What happened? And my mom has a story where she goes to this guy, asks him this, and the store guy goes, Lady, Batman's passe. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, and then he came back in 89. And then he came back. You know, I, I've always, I thought that Jack Nicholson made an excellent Joker and he was just sort of, he was the right amount of creepy for me. <laughs> and because I really, I liked the TV show kind of the best. I liked, yeah. you know, um...
0: Cesar Romero.
1: Yeah, it was, yeah. and it made, it was like the best statement I've ever heard about Batman. The, the Adam West version was that Batman's superpower was that he was the only adult in Gotham yeah. City.
0: Yeah, yeah, I love that.
1: Call. And, that's, yeah, that, that's great. Yeah, and that was from, that was from the, the, the pre Mark Wade Batman episode of The Dork Forest, whose name I am, uh, even though I spent a week on the road with this guy, what the hell's that guy's his name? Could have been, could have been Batman. And what, maybe his, he was secretly, but his, I think he liked super, he, it was, it was about Superman, but well, what he said in passing was, that was his favorite thing about Batman. Anyway, There's
0: a, there's a funny cartoon that, um, I forget who drew it. It might've been like Evan Dorkin or someone, but essentially it was like Superman secretly wishes he was Batman and Batman secretly wishes he was Superman. You know, it's oh. like the, that's why they get along or, well, they did, they did. And then they oh. did. not And then they did. And now that right. I think they do now again. Thank goodness. Okay. But, um, but yeah, they. um, I think that they both. You know, that's the reason why they hang out with each other is because they both want to be each other.
1: Mhm. Yeah. Well, so what did? uh, so, so now there's now there's cartoons and there's movies. The were there's in the everything. late eighties, right?
0: Video. Oh, oh yeah. Well, oh, well, before that, there's a big. So like you know how I say the seventies is the super era. The super you know, uh, uh, every superheroes yeah. are everywhere. There's um, there's a cartoon series. There's several cartoon series. There's a, one made by Filmation, which is kind of inspired and voiced by the same, at least Adam West and Burt Ward, uh, that do, um, you know, that are cartoons with these, these two actors doing the voices. Um, and then there's another series that's a little sillier that has kind of a Batmite uh, character in it that's kind of like, remember the great Garzoo from yeah. Flintstones? Essentially, essentially it was that, right? Like he was, Batmite is kind of this weird character from the late 50s, early 60s, where he's this interdimensional pain in the ass, kind of like Mr. Michias Pitalik. And and so he shows up and and he's supposedly like Batman's biggest fan, but he also just, he's always testing. He's like, Batmite's like the worst girlfriend. He's like, oh, he's trying to test his love. You know, like Batman prove to me that you're the best superhero. And it's like, Batman goes through all (laughs) this rigmarole and then finally proves that he's awesome. And then the next time Batman and Batmite shows up again, he's like, Batman, prove to me you're the best superhero. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's like wasn't, the fir- wasn't that enough the first time? Come on, give me a break, kid. Uh, it's
1: just like, if I died, would you date again, Batman? <laughs> <It's like
0: laughs> Batman says, absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Um, so,
0: so then, so the comic is kind of chugging along and it's popular. And, and by this point, Batman is in three comic books, which the only other character... To do this as Superman, uh, and the books are are Detective Comics, which originally started as an anthology series, and then Batman just took it over. Like they just were like, forget all you know, all these other characters. Let's just make it all Batman all the time. And then he's got the regular book Batman, and mm-hmm. then he's got a third book called World's Finest, which originally was kind of separate stories. Like one story was a Batman story, one story was a Superman story, and then they just said, why Why don't we just have them hang out and team up? And so yeah. then it became all these stories of Superman and Batman hanging out. And, uh, and then they get weird. The world finest stories get weird because usually like every third issue, Batman is either trying to kill Superman or Superman's trying to kill Batman, or they have teenage sons and those kids are trying to kill them because they're old or whatever. <laughs> like it gets, it gets really odd. Um, and then, uh, and then around the late seventies, there's kind of this thing called the DC explosion, which is a bunch of, a ton of books that get released by DC, and two of them are Batman-related. Well, three of them are Batman-related. One is Batman Family, which is a, a an anthology book that is mostly reprints, but there's, uh, the like, the lead story is a Batgirl-Robin story. So, like, Batgirl and Robin are, they're, they're, it's kind of like moonlighting. Like, they're kind of like, will they or won't they? There's a little yeah, bit yeah. of romantic... But it's but it's the '70s, so nobody's gonna have sex or anything like that. And then, but the neat thing about the Batman family is it does all these reprints from the '40s and the '50s. And this is where I read a lot of these old Dick Sprang stories and stuff like that for the first time is is through these reprints uh, in Batman Family. Then there's a Joker comic that lasts about nine issues, where he's essentially it's like the Joker just being a dick, and like every um, every issue is like a it's it's like uh, joker teaming up with lex Luthor, joker teaming up with the creeper joker teaming up or fighting against green arrow or whatever so it's like all these weird combinations and then there's another book uh there's a, like a very short-lived man bat book i think it lasts like three issues two issues and okay. then oh and then and then the other one oh wait it was just right on the tip of my tongue Uh,
1: (laughs) you know what's on the tip of your tongue scott rogers a lot of batman Batman information and it's fantastic that's
0: that's about 70 percent of my brain matter is actually batman (laughs) it's got the logo branded on the brain the wrinkles have formed a bat signal in my brain um god damn what was the other batman book there was another one somebody uh, i'm sorry i'm normally i'd be the one screaming at me in the car right now now i know how it feels well, uh, anyway, there was there was another Batman title as well, and um, but oh, Brave and the Bold, of course. Uh, Brave and the Bold is uh, the Batman team up book, so it's Batman with Wonder Woman, or Batman with Wildcat, or Batman with the Atom, or whatever, and the Metal Man or the Doom Patrol, and um, and those are like some really cool, crazy stories as well that ended up a lot of them inspiring the cart, the really wonderful Batman Brave and the Bold. Cartoon show from the the two thousand and early two thousand tens, I think it is. Like it's way after the Batman animated series, way after Batman Beyond. But but it's this the the fellow who's kind of the showrunner, James Tucker. Uh, it's a real love letter to guys like Bill Finger, to uh, Dick Spring, to There's a, a, a writer named Bob Haney. Uh, there's an artist named Jim Aparo. These are like the classic writers and artists for the 70s, and then, of course, Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams, who are the guys that essentially make Batman dark again, like the first time. Because in the 40s and the 50s and then the 60s and some uh, until about the early 70s, Batman is um, getting more and more like the TV show, like kind of corny and campy and the POWs and the Zaps and the Bams and everything is you know, it's comic books, it's very brightly colored, but, but the stories in the fifties and in comics in general, um, there was this thing called, um, uh, or this guy called Dr. Wortham, uh, Frederick Wortham, who essentially said comics are creating juvenile delinquents and Batman and Robin are living a gay homosexual relationship and, uh, and comics that feature crime and vampires and voodoo and all this stuff that were particularly in, um, what there was a company called EC Comics and they they were like the top selling company at the time and this this all of these things that this this quack we find out years later that he faked a lot of data and he was just a real piece of work uh, it put this company EC out of business and they they kind of had the last laugh because they uh, eventually put out Mad Magazine that's who the EC guys essentially became Mm
1: -hmm. but
0: um, as a result, DC was terrified and all these other companies were terrified of the wrath of the mother. And so they said, all right, well, we're going to self-regulate. We're going to create a thing called the comics code and we're not going to have crime stories and we're not going to have vampires and voodoo and people getting needles shoved in their eyes. We're going to sanitize comics. And so as a result, Batman ends up like fighting space aliens and like getting turned into a baby, and um, <laughs> uh, and and like a lot of weird, trippy—you know—a lot of it is like. Him waking up and going, "Oh, it was all a dream, or it was a story that Alfred had written, or something right. like that." And so, so it was, so,
1: yeah. So it was like the Hayes Code, and then, yeah, but yeah it, absolutely. But it took like twenty or thirty years for them to bring back Dark Batman, right? Is that right? Like, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and So
0: guys like Denny, the late great Denny O'Neill, who is one of the greatest, you know, Batman and comic book writers of all time, him and um, and then the artist Neil Adams, um, who owns a store right down the street in uh, Burbank a comic store. Um, Nice. They, um, they were like fans of the old Batman, the 1939, 1940s Batman. And so they're like, we want that Batman. Let's bring back that kind of scary, you know, he lurks around, he's, you know, kind of hunched over, he's in the shadows and he'll pop out and scare the bad guys. And and that really cool version of it. And so they bring back this version first in Brave and the Bold. It's mainly uh, uh, Haney and O'Neill and, and, and Neil Adams is drawing it. And then they finally get promoted because that's what happens in comics is teams will get promoted. Kind of first they'll start off on some junky book that nobody is reading and mm-hmm. then they'll make it great. And then the, then the uppers at the company will say, Oh, let's get them on our main book because those are the respectable titles. So, yeah. uh, so O'Neill and Adams go on to Batman and this is where they create Rachel ghoul. And this is where they do the, the, um, the famous story where Joker throws Batman into a shark tank uh, called The Five-Way Revenge, which has a wonderful cover of uh, Joker holding this playing card and Batman is strapped to it. You know, it's perfect, you know, uh, iconic image. And, um, and all these, you know, this kind of lasts for about, I don't know, maybe three or four years, this this run. But it really, um, my generation grows up on that version of Batman. And so that's the version, the other version that I fall in love with is the Neil, uh, Neil Adams, Denny O'Neill version. Um, so in my head, I have kind of these conflicting, you know, like there's room for multiple Batmans in my brain uh, canon. You know, there's yeah. this kind of happy fighting Joker on a giant typewriter, Dick Spring version. And then there's this grimmer, uh, you know, uh, Joker's got him chained to a shark uh, version from Danny O'Neill, you know. So,
1: yeah. So what what are your favorite? We're 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 pushing. We're, we got 10 minutes here. Scott Rogers, I'm so sorry. I barely st- even <laughs> talked about the Killer
0: Moth yet. My favorite Batman villain.
1: Well, um, the what I what I am curious of, and we can we can close on that if you like. But the uh, but what mm-hmm. I need to know is what are the characteristics of Batman that drew you to Batman? I mean, well,
0: Batman has the best costume in comics. That's number one. He looks, he's amazing looking, right? The cape and the ears and the everything about him is cool looking. You want to you want to look at him and you want to dress like him. Right? like, okay. like so, so if you could, like, dress up like Batman, just stare at yourself in a mirror all day, that would be the dream. <laughs> right? But, but, but it doesn't stop there. Um, Gotham City is an interesting place, and a lot of writers have added to it and made it an interesting place. But I think ultimately, for me, Batman has the best rogues gallery in comics. He's got, you know, a amazing... Like, you go 12... Like, some superheroes, you get maybe six villains deep, and you're like, okay... I can't think of really anybody good, Pat. Like Superman has a horrible rogues gallery. It's terrible. For like the, you know, one of the greatest characters in American literature, he has such dumb villains. Some of them are just terrible. But Bat- the only character that rivals Batman is Spider-Man. Spider-Man has an amazing rogues gallery as well. But Batman, his characters are scary and they're they're messed up. And But they can also be played for kind of fun. Like the Joker works as kind of a silly clown character, but he also works as a homicidal psychopath. And, and I think that that flexibility is what makes them and, and visually they're amazing, right? Like people love to draw those characters and, and, you know, little kids love to draw them, you know, like if a little kid wants to draw your character, you know, you're onto something.
1: Right. So is it, is it the fact that like, cause Batman's he's a, he's, he's, uh, my favorite Batman's are the one where he's smart, you know. Yeah, yeah. Where he's smarter well, than the wor- bad guys.
0: Batman works in so many different genres. That's the other amazing thing about him. There's a, I think it's a Frank Miller quote. He says, "Batman is the unbreakable diamond," which is you can put Batman in any situation, put him in any scenario, any story genre, and he always works. You could do a romance story about Batman; it would work. You can do a horror movie story version of Batman, it works. You can do a sci-fi version of Batman, it works. You can do a, a hard-boiled crime version of Batman, it works. And you can even change his costume around. I mean, you know, if you're a toy collector or or a comic book reader, Batman has like a bazillion different visual versions of him, right? And yet it always works. There's something about that, that silhouette of Batman that is so powerful and just so uh, captures the imagination of fans that it's it it's amazing it's it is a near perfect creation
1: okay wow <laughs> fair enough and but i have to say so so he he can be anything he can be uh yeah, a detective he, hasn't he been can anything. be all right so he can be
0: for kids he can be for adults he can be for anybody
1: Okay, so he's in space, he's, he's yep. solving crime, he's yep. a scientist, he's yep. a computer genius, Yep. he's an athlete, he's, yep. I'm trying to think of like, uh, is he a mechanic, is he an engineer? Yep. Sure, uh, yeah, Delta Batmobile, right? Okay.
0: In some stories. In other stories, they have, like, some writers have kind of gone, well, this guy can't be everything.
1: So they've kind of, yeah, right.
0: right. So some, so sometimes they expand it out. Like there are stories about other people that have built the Batmobile, but in some versions, Batman has built it. Um, There are, you know, Batman of course has, even though, you know, he's a loner, Batman has a huge family of, you know, just in the current version of Batman, you know, it's Batman, it's Robin, it's Nightwing, it's Tim Drake Robin, it's his son Damian Wayne, it's Batgirl, it's spoiler, it's uh the black bat, yeah. it's Batwoman, it's you know, he's got he's this a terrible amazing lone
1: wolf. He's a terrible oh, yeah, yeah, lone no. wolf because he's, he's surrounded he's by of, humanity.
0: <laughs> right. He's full of crap when he says, Oh, I'm a loner. And and this is the thing that um as a Batman fan sometimes I get a little intolerant with fans that are like, well, Batman has to be this one thing. And that's, that's like I said, that's the thing that I love about the character is that it can be so many, The Batman can be so many things. It doesn't even have to be Bruce Wayne under there. It can be Terry McGinnis, like it is in Batman beyond. It can be, you know, there are millions of, uh, you know, multiverse stories where other people are Batman. There's even stories where Superman is Batman, you know?
1: Okay, yeah, because if, yeah, if Batman's sick, someone has to come in and take over the mantle of Batman. Yeah, and, yeah, there's a Batman great. Batman st- gets old, right? Okay, go ahead.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's stories where, like, The Dark Knight Returns is the classic, you know, it's essentially the Dick Spring version of Batman old. And it's the 80s, and the city has gone to hell, and Robin is dead, or at least, you know, we don't know what quite happens to him. But then, but, you know, Batman realizes that the only way the city is going to kind of write itself is that he's got to come back uh and and be Batman again. And so that's that was kind of the start of the re- renaissance or the or the resurgence I guess of Batman. Between the 1989 Batman movie and Dark Knight Return, well, just really Dark Knight, there's four books, but everybody calls it Dark Knight Returns. It's one of my one of my nerdy sticking points. Um but uh but yeah, those two are kind of this this moment in time within about 3 years of each other that really catapults batman to i mean batman was already world famous by that point but this like really hyper accelerates you know every the fun the story is this i'm in college i have been going for 2 years i wear batman shirts like at least once a week when i was there nobody gave me a second glance 1986 months before summer 1989 rolls around i'm wearing bat shirts all of a sudden, I'm the most popular kid in school because everybody's like, oh, my God, you're wearing a Batman shirt and you're, you're excited for that movie, aren't you? And I'm like, dude, I've been a Batman fan since <laughs> I was three. OK, <laughs> right. Welcome, Don't try to,
1: to the- back- Yes.
0: Welcome to the club. Now I don't want to be a gatekeeper. That makes me sound a little gatekeeper. No, no. But, no right, but, and there's
1: plenty of room in the bandwagon, you guys. Plenty of room right, right. on okay. all bandwagons. Everybody,
0: that's the and that's the other great thing about Batman. Everybody's welcome. Come and join. Come and play in Gotham City. You know, it's a terrible place to live, <laughs> but at least it's interesting.
1: <laughs> okay. Now, uh, I think I want you to tell me your favorite, your moth uh, super villain, the <laughs> killer moth. Yeah.
0: All right. So, real quick. So, the killer moth is. The anti-Batman. He his origin story is that he's a crook. He's in jail. He reads a newspaper about Batman, and he's like, "Batman's got a pretty good racket." <laughs> he uh, shines the, excuse me, he shines the bat signal, and the, co- the you know all the criminals get all freaked out, and they run away. And he says, "But what if I were the Batman for criminals?" So he gets out of jail. He he essentially assumes the identity of a multimillionaire called Cameron Van Clear. And he buy he has a moth cave and he has a moth mobile and he's got a, a gun
1: that shoots cocoon. Well, later on, he has a gun that shoots cocoons. But, um, Wait, but it's weird he got, that he pretends to be also a multimillionaire like Bruce yeah, Wayne. Well, well, how does he
0: afford? All, like they've never. Yeah. This is a story. If if DC were to hire me, that's one of the stories I would want to tell. Is like how the killer moth got his cash.
1: And, um,
0: and so uh, he invented so post
1: its. Go
0: ahead. Exactly. Yeah. Um, So he, uh, he goes to all the criminals and he gives them all this, these flashlights, little miniature spotlights. And he says, all right, whenever you're doing a crime, uh, shine. If the cops are coming after you shine this in the air and I will come down and I will beat up the cops for you for like 30% of the take. And they're like, deal. So the killer moth essentially is becomes the, the bane of the cops. He's the Batman (laughs) for criminals. And then of course this puts him in conflict with Batman. So they fight and, and Batman wins, of course. But then a few issues later, um, uh, the killer moth is like uh, his cover for Cameron Van Clear is blown. So he's now got to find another millionaire to impersonate. So he says, well, will be Bruce Wayne. <gasps> so he goes and gets plastic surgery to look like Bruce Wayne. And he, he's running around as killer moth. He's running around as Bruce Wayne. He Eventually, they catch Batman. They unmask Batman. They go, hey, Batman's Bruce Wayne. And then, like, Batman runs away or something. And then Killer Moth comes in looking like Bruce Wayne. And all the bad guys shoot him. Because they're like, oh, that Bruce Wayne is Batman. Let's kill him. And so so poor Killer Moth gets all shot up and, and is technically dead. <laughs> but, but the thing about the Killer Moth is he keeps showing up. He keeps popping, like... Killer Moth has had more at one point Killer Moth had more um, appearances in Batman comics than the Riddler and Scarecrow and even Two-Face. Who like made, he was Who
1: made Killer Moth? Who wrote who So he was it? he was written
0: by Bill Finger and he was Oh okay. Uh, oh, no no I'm sorry. He was he was written by No, he was drawn by Lou Sayer Schwartz was the artist. No, he was created by what, I think it was Bill Finger. This? What year is this? Oh, uh 194 uh uh, but, but no it's night it's the, it, the issue is batman batman 73 so i i want to say it's the late 40s early it's probably the early 50s it's probably like 52 I mean, so or killer somewhere on there has
1: been around since the early 80s. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah yeah yet yeah i
1: have never heard of killer moth oh yeah well, this is, if you want to learn more, money on the table you got if you uh, want
0: yeah. to uh if you want to learn more about the killer moth you can visit the only killer moth webpage on the internet. Which is the Killer Moth Preservation Appreciation and Preservation Society? Which is my uh, which is my website that I've had around since like the nineties. <laughs> and and nineteen fifty one is when he first appeared in Batman sixty three. Um, and the reason why I have a website is uh, the writer Chuck Dixon was writing uh, a tie in to a, a series called Underworld Unleashed, where essentially the devil ups all the supervillains' powers. And he turns the killer moth into a giant bug monster that's called Chiraxis. And I wrote an angry letter to Chuck Dixon, and I said, look, I know it's probably not your call. It's probably the editor, but you're the person I can write angrily to. And uh, and I don't like that you've turned him into a bug because a big drooling bug is not interesting. What's interesting is the anti-Batman. And I proceed to school him on, you know, he probably already knew this, but I I tell him about what I just told you. And he says... (laughs) And he goes, Well, if you like this killer moth so much, why don't you make a website about it? So I said, Well, F you Chuck Dixon, I will. And so I so I did. What so is I the made website? this uh, it is uh Killer Moth Society, I think blogspot.com. Hang on, let me double check that. <laughs> but uh yes. And and you'll learn about I need to update it yeah, killer moth society uh, dot point forward slash okay. And, um, and, and in it, I, I, I highlight some of the major stories and I I need to, I, I, every time there's like a new toy or he appears in a cartoon or something like that, I I say, hey, look, Killer Moth. Um, and for a while I was kind of railing against uh, a redesign that they did. He, in DC went through a big redesign in the mid two thousands called, uh, the new 52. And the version of the Killer Moth is essentially just a guy with like a tank on his back and goggles it looked terrible. it was a terrible design and it was an insult to the name killer moth cuz <laughs> the killer moth dresses like a large bug he's got bug wings and he's got a bug green bug helmet with antennae and he's got um stripy like pink and purple and yellow striped pants or orange striped pants it's a hideous costume it's ri- totally ridiculous but i love it it is it is so great right. um and so and so yeah so and and because of my love of killer moth i have actually influenced toy creators to make killer moth toys i, I influenced mattel to make an action figure i influenced corgi to make a car the version of the car and uh the hero clicks guys to make a little hero clicks miniature of it
1: scott rogers it has been an hour uh I know. Have... Where, where did the time go
0: <laughs> i'm barely i'm barely even getting started you are Batman. the man
1: you Rangers, it's Scott Rogers who is the definition of plug and play when it comes to the door. Bring up <laughs> a topic and watch him zoom off. Is it at mighty bedbug on all the things?
0: Yeah, mostly at mighty bedbug on Instagram, on Twitter. Uh, I have a uh, Patreon for oh, if okay. you like game design. Uh, Scott yeah. Rogers, designer on Patreon. I make. Uh, I'm a board game designer by hobby. I guess I call it my jobby. And um, and so if you want to support a. Uh, Game designer with making his prototypes, and I and I, I make every month a print and play game for people to play. So yeah, that's yeah. fun. And
1: uh, and, um, and, and you, then you I also, sold a bunch of games. You sold a bunch of board games. And yeah, um, I have I have so two, two that are out. Scott Rogers. Uh, the
0: Patreonist, Scott Rogers, designer. Thank you. Uh, my my board games are ray guns and rocket ships and Pantone the game. So yep. if you like board games, I I advise you to check them out. I do uh, two other podcasts. I do one called Ludology. Uh, which I do a segment called Biography of a Board Game, which is the history of board games, and then I do another one with my daughter, which is called Fillory and Father, which is about the TV show The Magicians, which is a terrible TV show, but I get to spend time a week each week with my daughter, so that's
1: nice. <laughs> Fair enough, uh, Rangers, uh, you heard it here. Well, this right now, and uh, so follow at the Mighty at Mighty Bedbug, not the Mighty Bedbug. It's just Mighty. No,
0: Bed just Bed just, Bed. just Mighty Bedbug. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, and uh and look for ray guns and rockets rocket ships.
0: Yep, ray guns and rocket ships. Which is fine. Pantone and the Pantone,
1: game, which I have not played Pantone, though we have it. Oh. And oh, well. uh, all
0: right, well then I don't have to send you a copy.
1: Don't send us, Scott. Uh, right. because I believe we do have it. And um we have learned many things about the Batman. And yes. uh thank you so much for being on the show, Scott. Rangers, thanks for uh listening and take care of each other out there.